What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the CEO Journals podcast. For those of you that are new here, thank you for joining. I am your host, Ethan Bridge. Before I dive into the intro, I'd greatly appreciate if you pulled out your phone, opened up the podcast app and left a five star rating and review. It literally takes a matter of seconds and you don't even have to stop listening. Right. On today's episode, I had the pleasure of speaking to Rocky Romanella. The art of inspiration is all about chasing your dreams, and Rocky's career journey, which is over 40 years, is one of those. Although no one has the only and exact answer, Rocky has stories and experiences that may help to find the recipe for success. All of us will have to overcome obstacles and transform our lives. His career has been no different, and now after a wonderful career, he enjoys the opportunity to inspire people to go after their dreams no matter where they are in life. Rocky realises this is not a political view but more of a social one where he likes to talk about how hard work and enthusiasm are still critical components of success whether in a big company or as an entrepreneur or in life in general. There is no substitute for hard work. Rocky is a witty blue collar guy who rose through the ranks at UPS. He then became a CEO and board member of a small telecom company and today is now a small business owner. He believes that we all have a responsibility to leave things a little better than we found it. This is Legacy. He has even recently published a book that I think will relate to you all. Titan the Lugnuts, The Principles of Balanced Leadership, uses his over 40 years of experience in supply chain, logistics and transportation, retail, sales and operational management at UPS and his CEO and director roles at a company he worked for after this. It's all about how we make choices and how those choices determine the kind of leader we can be. By following the steps that are laid out, you can truly learn the importance of balanced leadership. Rocky is a wealth of knowledge and I can't wait for you all to listen to what he has to say. So without further ado, let's dive straight into the episode. Enjoy. Hello everyone, welcome back to the CEO Journals podcast. Today on the show, I have the pleasure of talking to Rocky Romanella. Rocky, how are you doing today? Very good. Thank you. And I got to tell you, Rocky Romanella sounds so much better with your accent than mine. So uh, it's great to hear and it rolls very well. So uh, it's a pleasure to be on your show. No, the pleasure is mine. And what can I say? The English accent isn't all bad sometimes. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. People are jealous of the American accent and how enthusiastic you always sound. But sometimes we can we can match that. Yeah, I think you can. I think you can. (laughs) So for the listeners who don't know who you are, can you just give us a quick 60 seconds of introduction of who you are and what you do, please? Yeah, sure. Uh, So Rocky Romanella, as uh, as you've done on the introduction, uh, over a 40-year business career, 36 of those years were at UPS. I think all of you know who UPS, one of the world's largest transportation logistics company. I started out unloading trailers part-time, working my way through college. Uh, UPS had a, a promotion from within policy which I took advantage of. I actually, though, uh, uh, Ethan actually went to college to be a high school history teacher and a baseball coach. And nice. uh, what, what I realized is as I was working my way, paying my way through college is that the best leaders, the most successful leaders were individuals who could get their people to connect the dots. And so in many ways, I never gave up my teaching passion because I believe good leaders are great teachers. 
and they're good coaches. So I think that for me, the, the, my classroom setting went to a business setting. So I never really gave up that teaching passion. I got the opportunity, unique opportunity inside UPS to not only do traditional UPS things, but I also got the opportunity as UPS was going through their in, uh, acquisitions, integrating many of the companies that UPS bought. So for example, when UPS purchased mailboxes, et cetera, and I think in Europe, it's still branded uh, uh, mailbox, et cetera. But in the U.S., it was rebranded to the UPS store. And I had that direct responsibility, not only the U.S. side, but the international side and got a chance to travel internationally as I was running the MBE UPS store. And each of those stores are independently owned. So I got a chance to work with entrepreneurs. And of course, you know, my background is predominantly in the corporate world, but Getting the opportunity to work with those individual business owners was such a great lesson for me. You meet some of the, some of the most uh, interesting individuals, powerful people who really have taken everything they own in life and kind of slid it across the table and are building their own business. So I thoroughly enjoyed that. We also had a series of about 20 acquisitions, over 20 acquisitions that we built UPS supply chain solutions. I integrated those companies and then ran the UPS supply chain on this side of the hemisphere. Retired from UPS, took on a role as the CEO of a telecom company. We built cell towers, upgraded cell towers, sold that company. And now I started my own small business, 360 Management Services, where we do predominantly keynote speaking, which I do, leadership training, and uh, consulting from a process improvement point of view. So that's a little bit about me. Awesome. Superb introduction. But the way, before we dive into all of that corporate world business and your actual business that you run now, the way I like to start all my episodes is by throwing it back with my guests to their time in school and college. Because I know you touched on college there and you went to college. So how did you actually find that period? Did you find it easy? Were you the class or were you the class clown? Well, I was working. So I was working a part-time job and actually working two shifts. So I was actually working would be close to being a full-time job working my way through college. Uh, so St. John's was a commuter college. Uh, my dad, rest his soul, told, said, hey, I got four kids. One of them's going to college. Looked at me as the oldest it's you, but we got no money. So I really didn't really have a, a, a lot of time to do anything other than go to school and, and, and drive to where I was working. So for me, college was a, I met some wonderful people, um, you know, knowing what I know today and my, kid, my four kids all went away to college would have been a great experience to go away to college and, and experience that. But for me, it was working my way through college. So I think the biggest thing that college taught me was the ability to juggle, you know, many things, because I think that's one of the most difficult lessons to learn. You can be a student who's getting a 4.0, but you're doing maybe nothing else, or you're working all the time and your grades are suffering. So my challenge was how do I keep good grades if, you know, as to the best I could to my abilities and still work and still perform at my job. And so for me, that was the, the biggest value was the ability to juggle both school and work and something of a social life at that time. But uh, it, that yeah. was probably the biggest thing I learned from college, that ability to do that juggling. So have you always been interested in working then? So from a young age, you've always had pretty much a full-time job or was that sort of just something that you had to do? You had to earn money because your parents couldn't support you through your time at university? It was, it was both. I mean, I, uh, I paid for my own wedding. We paid, Debbie and I saved and paid for our own wedding. In fact, when I was, uh, when I was, we were saving for the wedding, I was working at UPS in the summer. I was working year round, but in the summer I would take a second shift there. And so I'd work from 
five o'clock at night, U.S. time until two in the morning, go to sleep, get up. And I'd work at Wilson Sporting Goods at the warehouse and pick orders from like six o'clock in the morning until three thirty four to make the money for. So I always worked. And I think that was instilled in me by my parents. And my dad came from Italy and, you know, always taught me, hey, you know, your, your prime responsibility is to take care of your family and make sure that, you know, you can support them. And so I always was brought up with that work ethic of, uh, of working as hard as you could and doing everything you could to provide for your family. So I think that was what was still to me. My dad and, and parents taught me a really good, you know, some really great work ethic and some really those, those values that always stuck with me. But uh, yeah, I guess I was all, I've always been working. For sure. So you dedicate your success to your parents, then their initial teachings. Well, I would say in my, in my youth, it was definitely my parents and my dad. And in my adult life, it's actually my wife who's been a tremendous, uh, friend, uh, partner, and some of some of the best, some of the best uh, business lessons. And we can talk about them at some point if you'd like. But some of the best lessons I learned in business came from Debbie. You know, talking to her and then watching how she's, you know, raising a family. And and as we moved, I moved across the U.S. nine times with with UPS. And so moving to the family and how she handled it and and how we worked together on those things. But so I would say she's my biggest influence in my adult life. I will definitely touch on that later in the episode because relationships is a topic that I do touch on with every single guest I do talk to. So we'll definitely come back to that. So we're going to take a different standpoint from this episode, as I mentioned before we started, because a lot of the guests I, well, all of the guests so far that I've had on this show are CEOs of their own business from the start. Some may have worked in the corporate business for, for some, for the corporate industry at some point, but then they've dropped out at an early point and realized that they want to go through the entrepreneurial route. But you worked for UPS for 36 years, you mentioned. That's a long time to serve for one single co- company. So where did it all start? Well, it started when I was uh, working part-time on loading trailers. A friend of yeah. mine in high school got a job at UPS, and we all went over there, and then we started unloading trailers and working. And it was a way for me to pay my way through school, uh, as I said, I really went to college to be a high school history teacher and a baseball coach. So what happened was at that point, I realized, well, being a teacher and a coach, I can do that in business. And so that, that transition went, you know, worked, worked easily for me. I was a driver delivering package for UPS and then kind of worked my way up. I think the two things happened to me though, that my dad taught me that were the, I would say the significant emotional events. When I got the job at UPS, my dad said to me, two things. He said, you know, whatever they ask you to do, say yes and thank you. And then learn your job and learn some more. He said, the day you think you know everything is the day that the bit, the world is passing you by or the job is passing you by. And so as I was growing and developing inside of UPS, they would tap me on the shoulder and say, hey, we got this new responsibility for you. And if I, I may not have thought I was ready or I may have been nervous or I may not have had the confidence for this new job. All I could hear my dad saying to me was, hey, whatever they ask you to do, say yes and thank you. So I would always say, if you guys think I'm the right person, okay, let's go do it. I can guarantee you I'll give you 100% effort and I'll work as hard as I can. But what I learned from that lesson was as a leader, and I think it's just so important whether you're an entrepreneur with, you know, with one or two employees or in a large corporate setting, this is the same. As a leader, you're going to have to believe in your people until they're ready to believe in themselves. And so here you are as an entrepreneur, your business is growing, and you add that first employee. Well, you, you may have to believe in them until they're ready to believe in themselves. It may be their confidence isn't there, their skill may not be there, 
but your belief in them is what carries them to kind of that break even point where their skill and their confidence. And then once they really start to get good, then they fly. Then you step back and then that's when you're the cheerleader. That's when you're like, hey, then keep great job. Keep up the good work. You got this. That's when you don't overmanage them, right? That's when you let them fly. And so that was really the lesson for me, whether it's in a corporate environment where you're managing thousands and thousands of people or you're an entrepreneur, you know, managing one person, you're going to have to believe in your people until they're ready to believe in themselves. So do you think you got very lucky when you were in UPS and the fact that people believed in you and gave you the chance? And that's obviously what made you want to stay there for 36 years. Because a lot, especially nowadays, it's trendy to jump between jobs to get experience here, there and everywhere. Like all the millennials nowadays, I think you, you don't hear people staying on more than five years. They are jumping between job to job to job because they're getting offered new opportunities left, right and center. Whereas you do look at your, some of the older generation guys like yourself and my manager at my work, they've worked at the, they've worked at the job for years, like 20, over 20 years, in your case, 36 why, why did you stay at UPS for that whole period of time and what kept you motivated to keep on working for that company? Well, I think the first thing is, is I, I think, you know, there was an important thing that happened and that's that I didn't believe, I didn't agree with everything that happened at UPS. I didn't disagree enough to leave. And what I mean by that is I talk, I talk to small businesses about this all the time and even large corporations as they're looking at turnover and they're trying to recruit some of the top talent. My culture, my ethics, my values were always in sync with UPS. And UPS never asked me to evaluate a law, uh, violate a policy, do something unethical. And so I felt like I fit because of that. Now, that didn't mean I was happy every day. It didn't mean I didn't disagree, but I fit. And so I think as, as I tell people all the time as they're starting to go out there and find places to work and, and, and careers, is make sure you find a place that you fit you fit morally and ethically. Because if you do, that's what helps you over those difficult days. You're going to have rough days. You're going to have days where you may not agree with, you may not agree with everything that's going on, but you don't disagree enough to leave because they're not asking you to do something that violates who you are as a person. So I think that's so important. So for me, I always felt like I fit because UPS, you know, they, they saw hard work and enthusiasm and, and they rewarded that. They, you know, they, they were willing to work and train and help me. And so I learned that as I was going inside UPS. And then when I got the opportunity to be a leader inside the UPS, I, I wanted to do those same things. I wanted to develop people. I wanted to help people get to that next level. And so it, it became a, a place where I could grow and develop personally, but then I could help other people grow and develop. And that made, and that made all the difference for me. I felt like I fit. So did it never cross your mind in those 36 years that you could have gone on and started something yourself sooner? Not during the 36 years. And I will tell you, that's why I have such great respect for entrepreneurs because during the 36, those 36 years, uh, I was, I, I, I never really felt I had that confidence to do that. Now in hindsight, I, sure. I could have done those things. When you look at some of the complicated things I did, you know, whether it's managing the UPS store network, I mean, we're running some of the, some of the most complicated things inside of UPS that I had, didn't have the knowledge or skill of, but was willing to learn those things. Sure, I probably could have, but as I was growing inside UPS, I was in a place that challenged me and I was growing. So I was very happy to grow and be challenged inside, inside of that organization. But, but I still have great respect for entrepreneurs because 
to me, no one's more all in than a small business owner. When you think about it for a second, inside a large corporation, we have P&L responsibilities. But when you think about a small business owner, they take everything they own in life, slide it across the table and say, I'm all in. I want to buy this business or start this business. And then the ultimate accountability happens for them, right? If you think about it, at the end of the day, at night, they hit the cash register draw. It opens. They pay their people. They pay their vendors. What's left in that draw is what they take home for their family. And if you think about it, you really don't have that kind of finality or that accountability inside of a large corporation because the corporation, in many ways, you, you may have a business unit that's off plan, but the whole company's on plan. If that makes sense. Someone else is yeah. carrying you inside. But it, as a small, so I have, that's why I have such great respect for small business owners. And I often would say, I'm not sure I could do that, you know, because that's not how I grew up. Now today, uh, you know, as a CEO of a company, I, you know, I, I had significant responsibilities and now I'm running my own small business, but I never take for granted that skill set and that energy and the abilities that those small business owners have, because I have great respect for it. For sure. And I like that you say that as well, because a lot of the people I talk to, they go into the corporate world and they come out saying, oh, it just wasn't for me. It's not for most people. It's not and people like not everyone goes into work and loves sitting, sitting behind a desk all day. Like as humans, we're not built for that. People might not dis, might disagree with what I say, but you're not as a human, you want to be up and about doing things. Everyone would love to be like the typical Instagram influencer traveling the world and getting paid for that. Of course, you're going to want to do that for a living over sitting behind a desk. But realistically, bringing it all back full circle, because this is the whole point of what I do this podcast about. We are seeing just the highlight reel of everyone's lives on social media at the moment. We don't see the struggles and hardships that they go through throughout their journeys we don't see the sleepless nights we don't see the sacrifice of not seeing family and giving up all pretty much all your social life it's just so i like the whole fact that you do mention the fact that at the end of the day that small business owner is putting their life on the line well i think i think i think that i i firmly believe that i also think that you have to be true to yourself you don't you don't have to be true to the social media uh, or the person that's on social media that you want to kind of portray to everybody. Mm. You have to be able to put your head on the pillow at night and know that you've done the best that you could because there's going to be times over the course of your life and career where, you know, you're going to have a curveball. This may happen. You may not get the promotion that you think you deserve or unfortunately someone in your family's sick or, or, you know, some things are going to happen. And so it's how you deal with that adversity. And sometimes yeah. that adversity may not always look glamorous on a social media posting. You know what? I, to your question before. Yeah. I mean, some people may say, wow, you know, you kind of just stuck it out at, you, you know, UPS for 36 years and, you know, you, you kind of took uh, the easy way out by just staying with a large corporation. I look at it, I put my head on a pillow at night and feel good about the fact that I was able to take care of my family. Uh, you know, I, I may not have done everything, you know, I may have made mistakes. There may be people who would say, hey, I love working for Rocket. Maybe people will say, yeah, you wasn't the easiest guy to work for at times. But I was always... People, what people understand about me is something I think I would tell you and your and t and people listening is when people understand that what you do stems from an honest heart, you have much more credibility and they're willing to listen and follow you. 
doesn't mean you're going to be right all the time. It doesn't it mean that you're the perfect person. It doesn't mean that you may have the most glamorous, yeah. you know, c- kind of biography. But what it means is that you're a good person trying to do the right things. You know, you're honest. You know, you do things the right way. And, and think about that for a second. Isn't that what you want to be remembered for? You know, yeah. to your point, you know, oh, yeah, you were the social media person, you know, all over the country, traveling all over. That might have been pretty cool. But, but you know, is that really what the biography you want? So I always tell people this. Think of the word. So, uh, like, if I'm out of high school or I'm out of college and, you know, someone will raise their hand and say, hey, know what you know today, what would your advice be? And I, it's, for me, it's simple. I tell people all the time, as you're starting your careers or you're thinking about your career, think of the word you want someone to you to describe you at the end of your career. So what's that word that you want on your tombstone someday? When some, what's your brand? What's that word? And so when you ask people, they'll say some great adjectives, you know, like energetic, aggressive, integrity. For me, the word was always thoughtful. I was a thoughtful leader. Did I think through the consequences? Did I think about how my actions impacted both my, our customers, our people, our shareholders, stakeholders, wh- whatever. So I think if every person took the time to think about that as they began this process of entering into the job market or starting their business, what's that one word you want someone to use to describe you at the end of your career? And if you think about that, as you work throughout your career, you're building that mosaic to support that word. And so that's, yeah. that's who you become. Think of that word for you. What, would, what do you think that word would be that you would want someone to describe you at the end of your career? I would just like to be respected as an all-round nice person. I just, I, sure. just, I, res- I just hope people respect me for who I am and have a good outlook that I was the nice guy I was kind, kind. There we go. Okay. That's, that's want, your word. Yeah. Yeah. So now as you're making decisions throughout your career, whether it's in a new position, uh, people you're meeting, you know, you're interacting with, you're building that mosaic to kind. So at the end, it's like a, you know, you think about a, a business today that has a brand, you know, if we were in a high school today and we yelled dilly dilly, everybody understands, everybody knows what that means or, well, it's because it has a brand identity. Well, what's, that's your brand. Kind is your brand. And then you're building that brand promise throughout, you know, your life and your career. So that at the end, people think of what, you know, they think of a product. There's a, there, there's a kind of a brand promise to that product. Well, that's you. That's your brand promise. For sure. And I, I think I've taken a cheap shot out there because it's something, that's something that I've never thought about myself. So you asked me that on the spot. I think, whoa, God. But it, obviously that is something I want to be seen as, but that's definitely something that, I am going to think about because I think it's a great outlook to look at it. And I've never done that personally. So I'm definitely going to take more thought into that. I'm curious though, because you are older from an older generation that didn't grow up with social media, let alone even computers. So you couldn't even get on the internet. How do you, what is your perception on social media and how do you think it is? What influence do you think it's having on society at the moment? It's interesting because that, that, and actually that's one of the first times I've, I think it is the first time I've ever been asked that question that way. So that's very thoughtful. Thank you. I would say that for me in general, my concern is about whether it's social media or, or even your style as a management person, for example, is there's this, there's this philosophy I use and that's don't allow your strengths to become your weakness. 
And if you think about it from that perspective, so what's Rocky Romanella's strength, right? You know, energetic, uh, you know, kind of involved, uh, you know, hardworking. What's my weakness? Energetic, hardworking, enthusiastic, right? So it's the same with social media. There's a lot of great things that happen because of social media. It's like the cell phone. There's a lot of great things that happen with, with, with having a cell phone. God forbid there's an accident. We're dialing 911. We may have saved someone's life because of how it's having a cell phone. But what's the weakness of cell phone? We're attached to it all the time. We're sitting at dinner and we're, we may be checking our emails or going through, you know, some of the social media posts when, when we could be having really good conversations with individuals. For me at work, there's a lot of great things with social media, but think about the times that people were texting somebody saying, hey, congratulations, you got a 3% increase. Hey, there's no substitute for sitting down and talking to someone about the job they're doing, how grateful you are, and congratulations on getting a, a, a significant raise. And so I would say to answer that question after kind of giving you the way I think about things is there's a lot of good things that could happen, that happen with social media, but I believe at many times social media strength has become its weakness. For sure. And, and I, I think, think I think it's I think it's down to the user. It's how you personally want to use it. You can sit there and scroll through Instagram admiring people, or you can get on it like some people have and make a living from it. You can be that person that you're the other person's admire, admiring. It's your choice to how you use these platforms, especially I think link I think LinkedIn is fantastic at the moment. It was simply a platform for job seekers. But recently, it's taken this shift. It's becoming a more content-based um, platform. People are uploading more business-based topics and articles and whatnot. And if you, there are LinkedIn influencers. So there may be Instagram influencers and all these people posting beauty products, fashion products, and travel blogs and all of that. But on LinkedIn, you get the whole business perspective of it. And for someone that's interested in the business side of all of this, LinkedIn is brilliant. And I think it's a platform at the moment that is everyone should be on who is interested in this area so as i say it's i think it's just down to how you use the platform i think that's true but i also think there's many things that happened that happened on social media that i guess the unintended consequences i mean you know you're 16 years old and there's a there's a story going on here in in the u.s that uh you know, a young man was at a football, I don't know if you've heard it, but a young man's at a football game and I guess puts up a sign, I'm out of beer money and Venmo me money, joking. And so sure enough, begins to get all this Venmo money sent to him. And so uh, realizes that it's much more, you know, this, this joke has gone to where it's some serious money coming across. So he makes the right decision, which is to then begin to donate money to a cancer foundation at the University of Iowa. Well, that's all well and good. And at one point he's over 300, then he's over a million. I think the most recent number was 1.7 million. I'm kind of giving you the highlights paraphrase. Mm. But unfortunately, in, in, in the effort to find out a little bit about him, some news reporter at the Des Moines Register finds out that when he was 16 years old, he may have had a post that was inappropriate. Yeah. So now all of a sudden, you know, nobody wants to talk to him anymore. Anheuser-Busch decides they're not going to work with him anymore. Well, I mean, we're all human beings. We make mistakes. And so that's the bad side of social media, right? That, yeah. you know, you're 16 years old and you may have said something. And I look at all these kids who post so much stuff on social media and I say, I think to myself, 
be careful here because someday when you're going for a job interview and somebody Googles your name and all that stuff back there, I'm not saying it's right that they would do that. What I'm saying is, is what actually happens. And so, you know, it's hard. I, I think it's, it, it makes it so much more difficult for, for, for all of you and your generation to, to kind of move forward sometimes because there's so much out there. And, and sometimes those things are put out there that, you know, knowing what you know today, you wish you could go back and, you know, well, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Well, it's too late now. It's, it's up there. So it's difficult. So that's where the downside for me, social media, we're human beings. We're going to make mistakes as long as, you know, I mean, as long as you've learned from it and it's not a heinous crime. I mean, I, I just think it's difficult for, for, for you and your generation now trying to get out there, trying to uh, trailblaze. I mean, think about it. We, you know, you talk to small business owners all the time. They've made mistakes in their businesses. Some of the best small business owners are people who've made two or three mistakes with businesses that maybe their businesses didn't make it at first, but today are, are, are entrepreneurs that are doing a great job because they learn from those mistakes. Well, mm-hmm. they're probably happy that some of those mistakes didn't happen on that are posted on social media, right? So I, I, that's a good segue into a question I've got then is what's the biggest mistake you've made and learned from throughout your career so far? So that could just be literally a worst day because we, we see the best days on social media from all these people, as we say, but we never see the worst day. What's been the hardest day for you? I think the hardest day for me, it's was always around this inability to balance my personal time and, and the business time. And so I think that when I, and, and for me it was difficult because you miss, you know, we have four beautiful kids and five grandkids. Now three of my kids are married. Uh, and so for me, it was always looking back at times that you missed. Right. And I think what I learned is this, this concept of need to do things right. And want to do things or, and I think what happens is that you, you put everything in, you know, you know, I have to do it. It's, you know, but, but not everything is equally important. And so I think that that was kind of the lesson that I look back. I wish I would have learned and what are the nice to do things and the need to do things. And there's a lot of nice to do things that, you know, if I, knowing what I know now, I would have maybe gone to a little league game or gone to a soccer game because what I went to was a nice to do thing, but it wasn't a need to do thing. And so I always think back that, you know, boy, I wish I would have learned that lesson. That's one. The second biggest thing, and I think this is probably the toughest one, is that you have to understand that you can't let your highs get too highs and your lows get too lows. And I think when you think about people who really struggle through their businesses or struggle through their their relationships or even their careers, the highs are way too high and then the lows are way too lows. And you've got to be able to kind of stay in that, you know, kind of 80%. Don't don't get too crazy high because it's going to come back you know what I mean? Don't, don't be spiking the ball over the place because you're going to have a bad day, right? You know, and the same thing when you're having a bad day, your ability to work through that bad day. And so for me, those would be the two most difficult when I think back of, you know, a game I missed or something I may have missed that now that I think about it, I really didn't need to be there and I could have been home with my family or I could have maybe done something like that. Uh, I would say those two. And then I would say from a pure business point of view, sometimes we see more in people than they see in themselves. And I always found that. So for example, in a promotion setting, you see an individual, you think the world of, you really think they could do more and they can take on more responsibility. And so, you know, but they don't see that in themselves, nor do they want it. So you almost kind of, 
you almost kind of get them to the next level. I would say to you, hey, I think you should be a supervisor. You'd be a great supervisor. But you really don't want to be a supervisor. But you don't want to let me down either. So then you take that job. Next thing you know, you're not happy. You're not successful. And now you leave the company. And so not only did we lose a good employee, we lost a good employee who was very good at what they were doing. And it all became about because we, we wanted more for them than they wanted for themselves. And so that to me, that was always something that I, I found that w- was disappointing that, you know, with good intentions, we were asking you or so excited about what we thought you could do, but you really didn't want to do that. And we ended up losing a good person. And so I think back of individuals who we may have convinced that, hey, we think you should be the next person or we think you should do this or we think that this would be a better route for you. They went along with it, but we ended up losing a good person. So to me, whenever you lose a good, whenever you lose a person inside your organization, it's a tough day because you just lost a teammate, a family member, you know, someone inside your organization. So, did you ever have to fire people? Because obviously, that must be quite difficult in the aspect that, as you say, they're profound, they're, they feel like family, they're a friend, but then having to let them go, how difficult is that? That's the most difficult decisions I ever had to make. And even with people who needed to go. Yeah. Tough, you know, you always, there's a part of you that always feels very bad about that because they have to go home and still tell their families. And even if it was the right thing to do, they may have had an integrity problem or a safety problem or something that didn't fit inside the organization. It's still a difficult decision. Anyone who says firing people or letting people go, I've done it all the time. It's easy. It's absolutely wrong. It's the toughest decision you have to make. It's a person. They have a family. They're leaving your place of, of business and, and their life is now changed because of it. And so for me, that's always was the toughest decision was the, was having to make those decisions. And, and then when you have to sit across from someone and have that conversation, it's a tough conversation. So that's never an easy thing to do. And anybody who says that it is an easy thing to do has never really done it. They've always sent somebody else to do it on their behalf. For sure. And I suppose, obviously, I haven't had that experience, but I suppose as the, as the guy that has to do it, you're also, do you have, you, I suppose you also have to think about the people that do still work there. And if these people are affecting the ability of the other people's work and affecting their livelihood, I suppose you have to do it for the sake of the others. So you may be letting someone go, but you're making it better for others in a way at the same time. So does that ever feel like you're balance, balancing it out? To us in a certain respect. Yeah. Oh, that's absolutely a great point because, you know, people are always watching you as a leader and wondering, when are you going to, you know, have that conversation with this individual? There's no secrets in the business, no matter how small business is or how large it is. Everybody knows who's doing the job and who's not doing the job, right? And so they sit there, they're all driving home at night saying to each other, when's, it, when's Rocky going to figure out that this guy or this person's not doing their job and do something about it? But for me, even in that example that you gave, which you, you, you did an excellent job of articulating it, I always would say to myself, what could, I, what could we have done differently as an organization? Somewhere in the beginning when this person was off track or maybe you know, not fulfilling their obligations, could we have had that conversation with them then that maybe could have sparked something? So I'm always, that teacher in me always is, was there some, did we miss something along the way? Did we miss that chance to maybe, you know, save you, miss that chance to maybe get your attention, miss that chance to get you to look at things differently? So I always looked internally to 
no matter, even if it was absolutely the right decision and this person needed to go and they were mistreating other people, they had to go. You always wondered, when could we have seen that sooner? What could we have done differently? And sometimes the answer is you couldn't have. It just, it had, it is, it is what it is. And so don't get me wrong. I mean, there are those instances where there's no, there's no other chance. There was nothing else to do but that. But I think if you always challenge yourself that what could I have done better, look internally, be constructively dissatisfied in your own process, then I think you're always going to challenge yourself to be the best that you can be. For sure. And as I say, just completely agree. But so you did work for UPS for 36 years. You then went on for four years to be the CEO of a company and then decided that it was time to go out and do it by yourself and start your own business. What, what changed? Because you said that you obviously admire these young, these entrepreneurs and startup companies that are putting everything on the line. You are then putting everything on the line by doing it yourself. What changed? Why did you then think, right now I'm going to do this? Well, so for me, uh, one of the core um, values that I have about leadership is this concept of legacy. Do you leave things a little better than you found them? Are people better because of their time with you or your customers better because of their interaction with your company? And so for me, as I look to, to think about what I wanted to do next, it, for me, it was all about this legacy. I had a wonderful career, learned from some great people, uh, ran some very interesting, complicated things inside of UPS. And then, you know, as CEO, you know, learned some things and ran a publicly traded company. So I had investor calls. So went through all those situations and I thought, why not give back if I could? So I wrote the book, Tighten the Lug Nuts, the book that I wrote, and then began this, you know, got calls to be a speaker and a trainer. And I thought, well, let me, if I start my own business, I'm learning from all those wonderful people who I admired as, as an entrepreneur. And this was my way of giving back, right? Taking the lessons that I learned along the way. It's, it's like today. I mean, on this podcast, for me, nothing would be better than the ability for someone listening has an aha moment. Hey, you know, that's a good idea. Maybe I should look at it differently. That's the greatest reward there is for me at this point in my life. And so for me, uh, uh, it was the ability to give back and continue that legacy and to maybe, you know, my way of saying thank you for all the people who helped me was to maybe go back and help some other people through the things I learned along the way. So I, I, that, that was my motivation and that was, you know, what I was trying to accomplish through this business that I started. And I'm like, do you think you will ever stop working? Because my dad listens to these podcasts. He's 56. Um, he's worked for BT for his whole life. He started working there at the age of 16. And he goes, these people you speak to, they've got a hell of a lot of money. Why one day do they not just stop and just take a break? What, what keeps you going? Well, I, I, I would tell your dad that uh, if he's listening, that the, people ask me all the time, what's the one thing that you absolutely failed at? And that's retirement. So I absolutely failed at this retirement thing. Uh, so for me, it's, I, I love staying engaged. Now, it's different. I mean, I'm, the, through, this, through the company we started and what I'm doing, I do have more flexibility than as if I was solely running a large corporation like I did in the past. So, so I'm balancing right now the ability to spend time with the, my with Debbie and the and the grandkids, but still get out there and 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 give 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 keynote speeches, do do training, work on some consulting. So for me, I'm actually in a good place because there's a good balance. But I love staying relevant. I love staying current. I, I look. I'm meeting someone like yourself, 
uh, you know, young, uh, energetic, you've got a good vision of what you're trying to accomplish. And so I'm learning from you, right? I'm, I'm staying current with you and, you know, talking to my kids who are, you know, probably a little bit, just a little bit older than you are. I'm learning from them as they're going through, you know, the trials and tribulations, you know, the good days and bad days in their jobs. And so I, I love the ability to continue to learn from other people. So I'm learning as much from you on this podcast as hopefully your audience potentially is learning from me in the dialogue we're having. For sure. Do you think you will ever stop? No, I don't think I'll ever stop completely because I enjoy it. I mean, you know, I like playing golf. I like doing things, but I, I, I do enjoy, you know, doing a keynote speech and, and people are excited. I love when people will call me or email me and go to our website and talk to me about something that's going on that they, you know, I read your book and I, this is happening in my currently what's going on with me. And so just the fact that they would email me I and mean, I can help out makes me always feel good about it. So I, I don't think I'll ever completely stop. I think I may tone it down a little bit more. I mean, instead of doing, you know, 30, 40 speeches, I may do five or 10, but I, I think what will happen is I, I love, I love the interaction and the current being current with people. For sure. And the self-fulfillment of actually helping people. Well, and because let's face it, there were days that, you know, I drove to work and, you know, as a young supervisor or manager wondering, you know, you know, am I really ready for this? How do I get through this? And someone put their arm around me and said, Hey, hang in there, kid. Well, we all had those days. I tell people all the time, nobody quit at UPS more than I did. You know, you drive home at night saying, these people are crazy. This is nuts. What are we doing? And then you stop and think, I hope nobody heard me. Get up early tomorrow morning and get back in there and work harder if I could to figure this stuff out. So you're going to have those difficult days. But it was always wonderful that someone could put their arm around you and say, hey, let's go for a walk. You know, you're going, you know, we've all been through this. And so one of the things, one of the advantages that I I've had is that through all the different responsibilities I've had in, in different parts of a, of a company like UPS, whether it's the you know, franchise network or the supply chain side or the traditional side, and then with the telecom company, you get a chance to meet a lot of different people that you can learn from. And so now if I could help them, if I could help other people from what I learned, you know, why not give back if you can? No, yeah. And it's, I think it's a, it's a great way to look at it. And I can't thank you enough for your time as well, because it's also, I've, it's been refreshing for myself as well, having someone of your age on the podcast with a completely different perspective, because a lot of the people I have spoken to have built their businesses predominantly through social media, like they gain most of their clients through their presence on social media, and they use social media to promote their business. But the fact that you've, we've had it from a different perspective on what it takes to be a CEO in a corporate and then go off and start your own business, it's been it's been a nice to have that aspect opposed to someone that's gone from a, a rip straight into entrepreneurship from a young age. So I thank you for that. But I do have three final questions for you. So these questions are on three topics that I don't think are spoken about enough, which are money, relationships and death. I know we touched on relationships, but I'm going to ask you for one key bit of advice in relation to one question. But the first question in relation to money, I personally don't think it relates directly. And the question is, what does the word success mean to you? So I'll give you a bit of background to why I don't think it specifically relates to money. Because as a young person at the moment and seeing all these people that are successful, they all tend to have money. And as a result, someone that doesn't have much money at the moment, you you can... you can see why people relate those things directly, but as someone that has achieved success, 
what does success actually mean to you now? Well, I think success for me today means what it meant to me when I started and what I would suggest to you and people listening, what it should mean to them going forward. And that is each of us has to ask ourselves three questions in the confines of in our own heart and our mind. And those three questions are this, who am I? What do I stand for? And what won't I compromise? And if you can answer those three questions and through the course of your career, you know that this is what Rocky Romanella stands for. You know, this is who he is. This is what he stands for. And you know what? If it's honesty, integrity, and he's never compromised those things, then that's success, right? Because along the way, you're going to get challenged on number three. You know, they say that, you know, I used to always say that, you know, the profit is a result of all the things that you do. It's right. You, so if you do the right things, if you take care of your customers, you take care of your people, you understand your business, you work hard at it, you know, that's pr- profit is, is, is the result of the things that you do. It's the same with success. Success is the result of you being a good person. Success is the result of you understanding who you are, what you stand for, and what, the, what are the things you won't compromise. Because you could be the wealthiest person in the world, but compromise all of your values and integrity. So you, you're, you have hollow victories. But if you put your head on a pillow at night or you're like I am at this part of my life at this, you know, and you said, look, maybe I didn't get to every level I wanted to, or maybe, you know, I didn't run the largest corporations in the world. or Maybe I'm not the richest person in the world, but you know what? I can look in the mirror at night and know that, Hey, I work, I gave it everything I got every single day. I did the best job I could. I treated people with dignity and respect. And you know what? I'm, I'm in a better place in my mind because of that. I can look in the mirror and say, you know what? I did the best job I could. If you can't do that someday, your victories are hollow then. You're, really, you're going you're gonna to own a Greek island someplace by yourself. Okay, that's great. Yeah, it's your island, you're, but you're there by yourself because not one person would ever want to be there for you, right? Kind of idea. So I think that, and maybe I should use Greek island. I, I don't mean to pick any island. I'm just saying, you know, so you got the money, but are you a good person? Do people respect you? You know, at two o'clock in the morning, God forbid you needed something and you called all your friends is the phone going to be busy? Is anybody picking up or is everybody showing up because you made that phone call? That's, that's how you have to think about success. So my, my, I would say to your, your, to you. So go back to what you said, your word was kind. If at the end of this run, someone says, Hey, tell me something about him. And he's a kind person. He's generous. He's a caring individual. He'd give you the shirt off his back. I could trust him. Well, you really were successful. So do you consider yourself successful? I, I do consider myself successful because I feel like I've always been true to myself. Now that doesn't mean I hit every mile marker, but I do feel like my, I feel like someday when I, if, if I do get to heaven that, that when I see my dad again, that I think he would, he'd be proud of the fact that, that I was, that I, I was a good person and I did the best job I could. And I, you know, I, I, I stuck to the values that he taught me. And I 100% agree with you there. Um, so the next question with regards to relationships, I know we've touched on it, but I want to pick one point. So throughout your journey so far, have you found it difficult to maintain your relationships, whether that be with loved ones, family, your significant other, your wife, and your kids, or have you found certain ways to make sure that you can find the time to bring these people on your journey with you? Well, it, 
we've been able to maintain those relationships, but you have to work at them. And I will say now the question you asked me before about social media, that is the advantage of social media because, you know, I went to my 40 year high school reunion and now I've been reconnected with my, you know, high school friends from 40 something years ago. And it's been a ton of fun and it's like, we never left, you know, and they were all, you know, so I think that is the one major advantage of social media that you can reconnect with people and those kinds of things, but you have to work like anything worthwhile in life. You have to work at. So I do believe you have to work at it. And, I, and I'll give you a quick example from, uh, you know, so as we moved across the country, we never went on many vacations. And the reason why we never went on a lot of vacations is, is that Debbie and I always talked about our vacations would be to come back home to New Jersey because we never wanted our kids not to know their cousins, uh, Debbie's parents or my parents or grandparents. And so for us, you now when kids were going to Disneyland or they're going all over the country or going on these cruises, you know, we weren't. We were saying whatever money we had in those early days, we were going to get in a car and drive or we were going to figure out a way to get back to New Jersey. And we were in Iowa, Chicago, Southern California, Atlanta. We were all across the country. But for us, the value was always we wanted to get home and we wanted our kids to know their families and be there during those important times. So that's what I mean by working at it. It's what your priorities are for us. The priorities were, yeah, we took the moves and it was the right thing to, you know, we felt like it was right. Good for our family. And it was, you know, as I was, my career was moving along, but we never lost sight of what we had to do to keep our family together, you know, know, with our family back home. So I think that's, that to me, you have to work at relationships. Sure. And do you think now you have found the right balance or do you still think you've got room room for improvement? I always get room for improvement when it comes to that. <laughs> but, uh, but I'm going to, I have to say I'm much better. I'm, I am much better at it, but, uh, Debbie always laughs all the time. Cause I'll say to my kids or whatever, I'll be you know, like, what are you guys doing? You know, every now and then, you know, you got to get home, got to take care of it. And they're like, dad, really? You're telling us to, to do this stuff. And Debbie's like, what, what, where were you like 30 years ago? So, so it's, you know, I'm always working on it, but, uh, but it, it I, you really do have to understand that balance. It really, it's really, really important. For sure. And I love you that you can admit that as well. It's quite funny. Um, but my final question in relation to death is, are you afraid of dying? No, only because I feel like I, uh, I feel like I like I go back to what I told you before. I feel good about the fact that when I see my dad, you know, he's, I'm, He's going to, you know, he's going to tell me, Hey, now what'd you do that for? What were you thinking there? Right. Kind of thing, joking. But I always picture him sitting up at a big kitchen table with, with the other relatives and, you know, and, and I think he would say, and, and please don't take this in a, in the wrong way or a boastful way, but I, I think he would say, Hey, I, yeah, my son did okay. He's a pretty good guy. And so that to me, that, that's what, that, that's what makes me, you know, I always think about that. You know, and and I and look losing 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 a parent is never an easy thing, and it's it's a very difficult fraternity sorority to be in. And if you're not there yet, you know that's that's wonderful. And someday, if you do get in there, it's it's one that's difficult. And it's always the difficulty isn't the, the obvious when you lose a parent. It's not the obvious of well, they're not going to be here for Christmas or not going to be here for a holiday. The tough part is when something good happens and you're thinking, oh, you know. So and so, you know, Jimmy's having a baby, and you, the first thing you would do is call them, but they're not there. And it's, you know, my dad has been past ten years, a little over ten, ten over ten years now. I still think about things I would say to him. So, uh, so the fear, I, I don't have a fear because I think about, you know, you know, see, I think he'd be proud to see me. 
Sure. And I think you have every right to say that you think he's going to say you've done all right because it's evident that you've done extremely well for yourself. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, Rocky, I can't appre- I appreciate your time so, so much. And you've pro- been able to provide so much value throughout this episode. So where can our listeners catch up with you should they wish to ask you any questions or just simply connect? Oh, thank you very much. So uh, our website is number 3 and the word 60, S-I-X-T-Y, managementservices.com. Have uh, quite a few YouTube videos in there talking about different topics. I load up all the pod- on my podcast interviews. I'll load up ours on there as well. Uh, sure. and, and it's very interactive. So if people want to see me speaking or they want to talk to me about a topic, uh, please feel free. I answer them all myself. My email address is Rocky, R-O-C-K-Y, Romanella, R-O-M-A-N-E-L-L-A at gmail.com. If you feel free to email me. And then uh, the book, Tighten the Lug Nuts, is a great book. It's Amazon. Uh, I actually have a really pretty good following in the UK and Australia, interestingly enough, as I look at sales. But uh, uh, it, it's a, it's a, I think you'll enjoy the book. It's a lot of what you and I just talked about, a lot of stories. And it's, uh, uh, it, it's sort of like the lessons I learned along the way in a story format. And then uh, I think the last thing is social media, of course, LinkedIn, you know, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Instagram, Facebook. I'm not very good at those social media platforms, but I'm on them. So that's for sure. So the kids are like, dad, you got to get a little better at this. You can learn, you can see, you can learn from our generation. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. But, but that is the one thing, if you think about it, not to kind of is, you know, the one thing great about the internet and, or the web web, if you think about the small businesses that you work with, you know, the, the, the internet allows the small business to feel big. And the big business to feel small. And if you think about it, if you if you utilize that, I mean, you know, no one knows how big you really are if you have a professional website that really kind of portrays who you are as a company and what you're trying to accomplish and does a nice job of portraying your products and services. So I think that's the one thing that the web has done is allowed small businesses to feel good about themselves and feel like large businesses, even though they may be out of someone's house or basement. So I think that's pretty cool that it kind of equalizes everybody, right? If I look at a website that's well done, you know, I don't know how big you are, but I, but it, it's all how you present yourself. So I think that's been one of the nice things. So I, I think that small businesses need to just keep that in, in mind that, that, that the web does allow you to do those things. For sure. And I think that's a great point to make. Like, for example, I am sitting in my bedroom right now. I, all I have is a laptop and a microphone. Nothing, no, nothing fancy. That's it. Right. So but look at the influence you have. But look at the influence you have and think of, think of all your previous podcast interviews and, and some of the information that's out there. And, and think about all the aha moments that people have listened to one of your interviews, previous interviews and said, oh, okay, that makes sense. That can help me. So Think about that, that depth and breadth of reach that you have. So I agree with you. But, but to your point, when you look at your website, it's professional, it's well done, it's laid out well. So people are saying, wow, he's, he's got it all together. Yeah, all hidden. And I am literally in my bedroom. That's it. But I will leave all of your links in the show notes below so people don't have to remember those. They can just simply look down below and click. But once again, Rocky, I really appreciate your time. You've been extremely valuable to our listeners and myself alone. So thank you. And I hope everyone enjoyed this episode of CEO Journals. Thank you. Pleasure meeting you as well.
So that's going to wrap up today's episode of the podcast and I can't thank you all enough for listening. I aim to interview some of the most incredible business owners and entrepreneurs every single week. So you can really help me out by smashing that subscribe button and by leaving me a five-star review over in the iTunes store. It literally takes two seconds and will help me secure some of the greatest names in business as guests on the show. Make sure you tune into the next episode where I'm going to be talking to another incredibly interesting guest. I'll be discussing their journey and providing tips to all your aspiring and current business owners. Have a lovely rest of your day and once again, thank you for tuning in to CEO Journals.